Church, how's everybody doing this morning? I know. If you're sweating like I am, it's because it's 80 degrees outside, or that's what I'm choosing to believe. Uh, if I have not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Ben White. I am the Edgerton Campus Pastor, and we are one church that meets in multiple locations, and I am thrilled that you guys have chosen Edgerton to call your home this morning. One of the things that I love uh, doing is going out to eat with friends. Uh, I think we all have those restaurants that we frequent a lot. One of the things that my friends hate when we go out to eat is that I talk with the waiter or waitress constantly. Um, it's not because I don't like them, but it's because I want to get to know their name. I want to I have an hour-long conversation as I'm supposed to be eating lunch or dinner with my group of friends. And they think it's strange that I get to know their name. I had a world missions pastor, or my, my, my mentor for world missions back when I was a missionary, tell me to never tell you somebody's need before you could tell them their name. And so names and people are very important to me. So if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you or, or it's your first time here, I want to say thank you for coming, and I want to shake your hand. But I also want to say it probably won't just be a handshake and a get-to-know-your-name. It'll probably be a lot longer conversation. If that scares you, we'll, I'll try to catch you before you run out. <clears throat> we've been going through this series called Who Is This Jesus? And we've been asking this question, who is he? Why is it important that we know who Jesus is? Why is it important that we know that he forgives us of our sins or that he's the true leaven or the provider or the one that satisfies this week, we're, we're asking the question and we're answering it. We're saying Jesus is the eye-opener. One of the reasons that I constantly ask people their names, whether I'm in Dollar General or I'm at the Mexican restaurant in Wellsville called Las Carnitas, Katrinas, Katrinas, it's Las Katrinas, Hannah always corrects me on that, is, is because I want you to be seen. And I pray every day that God opens my eyes to somebody new that I can meet. Right. I want to start today, if you'll open your, we're going through the book of Mark, but we're, we're going to start in Luke 10. So if you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 10, verse 25, and, and this is a common parable, and I'm going to try to shed some more light on it, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you through it before we get into Mark. This is the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I thought as I was writing this week, I was like, oh, I could change it up, and I could do the parable of the good atheist or the good liberal, and I thought that was a little too out there, and people would be like, I've never heard of those things before, but here we go. Luke 10, 25 says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do what this says and you will live. But he desiring, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, a priest of God, was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side and turned a blind eye to the man who was beaten. Likewise, a Levite, chosen people by God to serve him, 
when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who were considered half-breeds of the Jews, who were considered less than than the Jews, who were considered disgusting, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And he said, Jesus said, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And the reason I started with this scripture instead of our Mark scripture is because I I want us to get into this thinking of who is my actual neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because we're, we're talking about Jesus opening the eyes, being the eye opener, but we're not just talking about physical eyes, we're talking about spiritual eyes. This, this whole week, that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, it's an old-timey song. I love it. It's really repetitive, as most old-timey songs are. It, it kept popping up into my head. It says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And yet, we turn a blind eye to many people that are made in the image of God. So turn with me to Mark 8, 22. And they, the disciples and Jesus, came to Bethesda. They had just finished uh, healing and, and, and teaching. And it says, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And we're going to stop there for a second. We see a couple things. So so last week we talked about Jesus being the true leaven and he wanted to increase our faith because, because the disciples weren't getting it. The disciples were not getting that Jesus was more than just a provider of bread, but he was the provider of life. He was and is, I am. He is the Lord. And so when Jesus takes this man out of the village, he brings his disciples with him. And Mark's account is the only account that brings us this this, uh, passage. And and he brings it, and Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, hey, that faith comes in stages, but there's also different parts. And so Jesus spat on his eyes, and I'm going to be honest, when I read that, I've been doing some studying on blindness. I think it's really gross. I don't even care if it was Jesus spitting on my eyes. I still think I would be grossed out, right? In some accounts, it said he'd spit in mud and, or spit in dirt and mix mud and, and slap mud on somebody's eyes, and that is equally as gross. Like, but, but the Jews and the, the people of the time had this theory that, that spit, the salvin spit, could actually heal blindness, right? And we see that in that his blindness was temporarily or sort of restored. When Jesus said, do you see anything? And he says, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And without Jesus, or just like this man that see people looking like trees walking. 
And so I've got a couple graphics for you. Can, you. can you throw up graphic one? I tried to blur this out as much as possible around this happy family because if we are just looking with physical eyes, this is all we see. Is a family, they're smiling, they're happy, they look like one big happy family. And we go on in Mark, and it says, Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And in graphic 2... We see the flip side of this. So we see the full picture of this happy family, but their house is on fire. Ironically, it only took me two seconds to find this photo because this is the exact picture of what we try to push to people. When we say, hey, how are you doing? Are you, are you okay? And everybody's like, yeah, I'm fine. And all we see, put, put up that first picture when they say that, is a happy little family. And unless we are truly using the eyes of Jesus, we don't notice the problems going on around us. And for some of us, that's okay. Some of us maybe have been, been using the eyes of Jesus and, and, and wanting to see Jesus in things so much that we see a lot more brokenness than we want to. And yet... Some of us, just like the priest or the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan, choose to turn a blind eye and say, hey, you're only half dead. I'm reminded of how many of you guys have seen The Princess Bride? Everybody? There's a quote in there that says, oh, he, he's only mostly dead, which means he's still kind of alive. Right? And so our hearts are, and our, our lives are, are only mostly falling apart, which means they're still kind of put together. And the, it's the put together pieces of our lives that we present to other people. And it's interesting, as I've kept diving into to blindness and, and kind of what, what it does and how it affects people and where it comes from, uh, Exodus 4.10, so Moses has just been charged to go and and save his people, save God's chosen people, the Hebrews, from Pharaoh. And Moses, like many of us, when we're called by God, gives excuse after excuse after excuse. And it says, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not an eloquent speaker, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? That I can't take off. There's no physical blindness that Jesus showed can't be healed. And yet, we choose to put blinders on our eyes like racehorses do, so we're only seeing straight. And I'm putting me in this category too because I've fallen into it. But since I've fallen into it, I can also ask you to come alongside me and do what I'm doing too. I had the opportunity uh, this past Friday to take a, a buddy of mine out to Chipotle for the first time ever. Um, first time ever. He thought Taco Bell was the best Mexican restaurant. 
Uh, and if you are like him living in sin and thinking Taco Bell is delicious, we will have a deliverance service after this. But, but while we were there, there, there was a woman that came out of the bathroom crying. Right? Tearing up. And, and so, so I asked her, because I said, hey, are, are you okay? Like, I saw you crying, and she immediately denied it. But, uh, I mean, and I'm kind of super blunt. And I was like, oh, I was pretty sure you're crying. And she said, no, it's just allergies. It's like, I've seen allergies before, and they don't look like that. Right? But, but if our eyes aren't aware and aren't attuned to what God's been doing and what, what the hurt of the people is, not only do the people miss out on God's healing and the restoring of their lives, but we miss out on joining in Christ's work. Last week, we had you fill out a sermon, or a sermon, a survey. Y'all aren't filling out sermons. Um, not that you can't, but. Um, and one of the biggest things that y'all said was that a lot of you do not feel equipped to share the gospel with somebody else. And so me and Tina were talking. We, we did the E3 with Casey, and we actually led the class after, after Casey had, had left. And we're like, dude, we got to do something, right? We, we got to keep our eyes up, focused on the problem, because that's a big issue. If we don't feel equipped to share the gospel, I, <laughs> we're just talking to people at that point, which is also good, but... but but we're not bringing kingdom. And so one of the things we're offering, if you do not know how to share the gospel or you don't feel equipped to share the gospel, Tina and Scott and Hannah and myself will be hosting one-on-one sessions to equip you to share the gospel, to get you ready and released to bring kingdom. Right? Our, Our seek verse is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the towns, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He had his eyes up, he was ready with the word of God, and he moved when God moved. And this is what's cool. This hit me today as I was just uh, practicing memory of it. It says, and when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them for they were distressed and dejected. And that word were really stuck out to me is because when people meet Jesus, whether it's in us or in person, there was never one person that met Jesus that remained distressed and dejected after that encounter if they truly encountered him. But if we don't have our eyes open, we walk around like this and it's real easy to bump into trees or it's real easy to look at people's lives and say, oh, they're fine. You see, Psalm 146, 8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. And the Lord loves the righteous. And this has been my prayer over, uh, over us this week is that, man, like, who are we missing? We've had this calling on our lives to go and reach the distressed and the dejected and pray for workers to Christ to send out into his harvest. But are our eyes open for the harvest? Are we gathering peas when we should be plucking grapes? Are we getting wheat when we should be getting corn? Are our eyes open to the people that are in our circles that don't love Jesus, that desperately need Jesus, and we all desperately need Jesus? And are our eyes set on Christ? 
You see, the, the beauty of this, this account was the man had to stay completely in tune and focused on Jesus in order to receive the full healing that he had. And it came in stages just like our faith grows in stages. It's one, of the, one of the things I've heard other pastors say is that Jesus speaks in sentences. He doesn't speak in parables or in paragraphs. He speaks in parables quite often. I'm tripping over my words this morning. But, but he doesn't speak in paragraphs, right? And so we, we look at this and he says, okay, so you come out to the village with me and then I'm going to spit on your, your face. And now what do you see? He spits on his face. Guys, like that's real. Like, uh, There were jokes this morning in our, our leadership huddle that, that nobody was going to sit on the front two rows because I was going to start spitting on people and blind people were going to start seeing and I'm not even sure we have blind people in our congregation, so I'm not sure how that would work. It might become blind from my spit is how that would have worked. But, but he brought him out, and he asked him a question. All right, and says, okay, now I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to receive your sight. And one, one of the things, um, as Edgerton has has grown the past three years. I, I really want to congratulate you guys because Edgerton has been a catalyst for 90% of the change that's happened in New City. Edgerton launched Raytown Campus. Come on, let's get some claps for that. Get some claps for that, right? Edgerton launched Believe Church in April. Let's get some claps for that. Edgerton was able to fully release and send out Pastor Casey so that he could go be with his family in a hard time. Yeah, I know it hurt. It stung. Edgerton was able to release Pastor Pete to go and do neighborhoods and send him out and take kingdom ground. And now, Edgerton is able to release and send out Elder Daniel and, and our Kid City director, Alicia, to take on Olathe. Amen. Amen. And we, we have been wrestling with how to say this because we're not really losing them because Olathe's on Saturdays and they've been trying to take our people with the promise of Chick-fil-A after church, which, I mean, would, it's the Lord's chicken, y'all, so I can't get much holier than that. Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. Yeah. But, but when I say that we're one church that meets in multiple locations, it's not that we're losing somebody. It just means that the kingdom borders that are expanding are expanding into Olathe now through the obedience of Daniel and Alicia. And Alicia is still going to be with us till the end of the year. It's going to be really awesome. She's going to finish out strong in Kid City, and she's been working her tail off. Man, and I, I could not be prouder of you guys. Pastor Casey did such an amazing job building a team I inherited like the Kansas City Chiefs of, of leadership teams. It is, it's amazing. And just as Tyree Kill was traded and we got new players in, I don't know who we're trading for the, the Smiths yet, um, but we're going to get somebody good. But we're sending people out because the Smiths have their eyes on the brokenness and the distressed and the dejected of Olathe. Yeah. And while their heart, they love Edgerton, their heart is in New City. And New City is not Edgerton. It's not Shawnee, it's not KCK, it's not Raytown, and it's not Olathe. 
New City is part of a global kingdom of God. And so I'm going to ask the, the worship band to come back up and... I'm actually going to ask Daniel and Alicia to come up too. And we're going to pray over them. And we're going to send them off well. December 17th is going to be their actual, we're going to send them off right before Christmas and New Year's. And they'll still be with us through that. And like they said, Saturday service, so they'll come back on Sundays. Y'all, y'all step closer, man. I, don't, I put on deodorant this morning. Yeah, I have been talking about spitting. I'll, I'll stop them from spitting. But they've been doing a great work here in Edgerton. We want to honor them in that work, but we also want to make sure that they know that they are released to go take kingdom in Olathe. This is the first time I'm getting to do this, so if I mess it up, I'll know for second service. So let's pray over them. Father God, we we thank you for for opening the eyes of of Daniel and Alicia, of the Smiths. Man, their their daughter, Alyssa, is going to be coming on board as as the worship pastor. And man, they're they're taking Olathe for you. Not Not for New City and not for Believe Church, not for that church on the corner. They're taking kingdom for you. God, I pray that as as long as we have them and as long as we will have them, they will continue to run the good race, that we will continue to come alongside them and, and push them to that level that we know that they can hit. But God, we thank you for the grace to be able to send them out. Father, we, we love this team. And they've been a part of it for so long and we, we thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen. And as we close today and as the, the band leads us in a, in a couple songs, I want to know, what are we setting our eyes on? You see, God has, God has made the eyes and he's made the mouth and he's made all this, but, but we choose what we set our eyes on. He can reveal different stuff in our hearts and, and God has revealed Edgerton and put Edgerton on, on mine and Hannah's hearts and opened our eyes to the distressed and the dejected here in Edgerton. But that doesn't mean anything if we don't choose to see it. It's a conscious choice to set our eyes on something, to behold something with our eyes and not just see a blurry picture. Not just see people, but to actually see who Christ called them to be and call them to that. And my second question kind of goes along with that is, is when we see people, which eyes are we using? Say, oh, they look fine. They got nice clothes. They got good shoes. Hannah gets mad at me because I wear my lime green shoes all the time. She's like, man, people are going to think you don't have any other shoes and they look kind of ratty. And I was like, whoa. These are my preaching shoes. <laughs> but, but when we see just with our physical eyes, we miss a lot. And people just start to look like people. And Tina looks like Pam. And Pam looks like Keith. And Keith looks like Pete. And everybody just starts to blend in. 
and we get lost. But when we use the eyes that the Lord has opened for us and say, yes, now I actually see what you're doing. We don't see a, a hat in the corner from us. But it's not just enough to see him. We've got to be able to act. Right? And so, so when Jesus saw the crowd and they were distressed and dejected, he turned to his disciples and he said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And if you're in this room and you're professing Christ, you're a harvester. You're a, you're a laborer. You're not part of the harvest. You've already enjoyed the harvest of God because he's come and he's in, entered your soul and, and he saved you. And if you haven't heard the gospel message this morning, man, it's, it's Christ died for your sins. He was buried, raised on the third day by God and now he's seated on him. On, on high in heaven, on the right hand of God. And if you want to take Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today, Scripture says you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I can really tell if you confess Jesus is Lord in your life, I can hear those words, but it's that belief part. And it's where that faith, like I have to be really certain that this happened or... It didn't happen. Let's pray, church. God, we thank you for this morning. Another day, another morning. Father, I pray I didn't ramble too much, but I pray that your words got through. Because if people are just coming to hear me preach, that's a really sad life. Father, I pray that, that you would open the eyes of my heart, Lord, because I want to see you. And it's, it's not enough, and it is enough to just see you high and lifted up. But it's not enough in the fact that I have to see you in creation too. Father, I have to be able to see people as you see them not as they see themselves or not as they try to hide their problems, but as they are in your eyes. So God, I ask and I pray and I beg and I plead that you will open our eyes and not just physically because it's cool to see, but I don't want to miss out on the true sight that you give. You're in my prayer. Amen.